you to follow along as I read the story from Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the, his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He said, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. And the eleventh hour, he went out and found others still standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one's hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each of them received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I, if, I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. I'd like you to watch a clip this morning as we begin. <clears throat>
We are talking about living in American culture. Over these weeks, we're talking about being in it without being conformed to it in ways that are detrimental to us or dishonoring to our God. So we read this story in Matthew 20. We really need to back up, though, just a little bit because this is really a series of things that Jesus is saying here. And if you go back, if you just turn in, in Matthew back to chapter 19, you'll see we have this incident with the little children. And people are saying, well, kids aren't really significant to God. That it was kind of a waste of time for Jesus. And, and Jesus makes a point, no, I'm very interested in the things that you think are insignificant. The people that you might think are insignificant are very important to me. And uh, like little children, they are very important to me. They don't do a lot of performing for God, but evidently God isn't all that interested in uh, our performing for him. And then we run into the rich young ruler, this guy that has, has done very well and has a lot of stuff. Last week we talked about stuff. This guy had a lot of stuff. And Jesus said, you know what, I, I think this stuff is more important to you than me, and so why don't you sell your stuff and then come and follow me? And, and the guy couldn't do it, and he went away sad. We see verses 25 and 26 in chapter 19. When the disciples heard this, or Jesus, I'll just back up, Jesus had said, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom. Verse 25, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, with God all things are possible. So this is why America is not an easy place to maintain a vital, hardcore, as Francis Chan said, type of spirituality. It's very difficult in a rich culture. And I, I know you've heard this say it, I know you've heard me say this before, but we are, we are rich. We are all, everyone in this room would be considered rich. I mean, they say it would cost about $15 billion to give everyone on the face of the planet clean water. Uh, dirty water is a result of thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, children, a lot of them who die. $15 billion. You know, in America, we spend $45 billion on our pets. Now, I have a pet, and you know, I make the same trip to PetSmart and buy that $35 bag of dog food every six weeks or whatever it is. And so I'm not saying that it's wrong to have a pet, but I mean, we, we, you can now take your pets to a, to a pet motel. These are cropping up all over the country, 31 bucks a night. You get a platform bed. You get a 24-hour uh, TV, the animal uh, Animal Planet, and there's a booth where you can the, the owners can call and the dogs can hear their voice and listen to them talk. I'm serious, 31 bucks a night. Manicures, massages, dog psychologists, um, it's part of the extravagance of our culture. Uh, just look at this little graph. Um, maybe you've seen this before, but <coughs> there is a graph up there. And uh, if you can pull that up for me. There it is. If you notice there, it tells you, you see along the bottom, there's 1 billion people, 2 billion, 3 billion, 4 billion, 5 billion. And as you go up, that's how much money they make. Um, I'm in the top, uh, in the top 1% of the richest people on the planet. 
Uh, most of us here, probably just about everyone in this room, is in the top 5% of the richest people in the world. And so the point I'm making is, you know, we are, we are rich, and we live in a country where we take a lot of things for granted. You know, we complain about health care. A lot of countries, you know, complain about the cost of health care because they don't have health care. If you get sick, you die. For many people, if they get sick, you either get better or you die. There's no such thing as going to the hospital for a large portion of people alive today. So, we are rich. Is that wrong? Is it wrong to be prosperous? It seems to me God promises prosperity as a blessing. Is it wrong to have a cell phone, to, to go home and have cable, so you can watch the Packers? I mean, is this, you know, what, how do we look at this? These are blessings from God. The scripture says God blesses us with all things to enjoy. And so what do we, how do we deal with this in a materialistic country? As I mentioned last week, you can, have, you can have nothing and be very materialistic, or you can have a lot of things and not be materialistic. And so our model is God. After all, God's pretty well off. God's pretty well off. And, in fact, he owns it all. And here's the antidote. Here's the antidote for living in a rich society like we live in. And this is it. The antidote is to develop a generous heart. To develop a generous heart. And that begins with understanding and experiencing the generosity of God. So in these next 15 minutes here or so, I, I want you to just think with me about the generosity of God because God is so incredibly generous. Uh, just look, a couple things. The first one's not the most important thing, but it's very obvious. I mean, just look at creation. I mean, look at the earth, the mountains, the rivers, the oceans, everything, all of this that's there. This is the home that God gave to you and me. When we go out today, we get to enjoy this because this is the generosity of God. It is an amazing place. Do you know that early on in our country that was illegal to, to tax, to do property taxes? The reason property taxes were illegal was because they believed the earth belonged to God. And so man had no right taxing it. The earth belongs to God and He has given it to us as His place to live and He's not even charging us rent. Just think about that. I mean... We live in, in such an amazing world. I was looking through some slides here. I'm just going to run through these really quick. But um, you'll see some numbers up there. 4,500. That's how many mammals we have that God's given us. 6,100. That's how many reptiles. Birds, 8,700. 100,000 butterflies. 270,000 flowers. 375 beetles. Imagine that. Three-quarters of a million insects. I'm not sure God gave those for us, but, you know, the mammals and the reptiles have to have something to eat or we wouldn't enjoy them. And then the stars. You know, we can only see about, we can only see about 5,000 stars in the sky. And yet, I believe there's about 400 billion stars in our galaxy. You'll see up there a number of how many stars totally there are. There's 400 billion in our galaxy, and they tell us there's at least 10 billion galaxies. And so God creates, I know, God must love stars, because He created this planet with such generosity 
and abundance and variety of everything around us. But this is not the most amazing thing that God has done to demonstrate his generosity. And so we, we move into this text, and what we're going to talk about now is something very amazing. People have written songs about it. And what I'd like you to think about with me this morning is, is God's amazing grace in your life. The generosity of God's grace in your life. Matthew 20. Let's jump back there. We've already looked at the children, the rich young ruler. And now we see right before Jesus goes into this story in chapter 19 and verse 27. You know, Jesus had just talked about the rich guy and then Peter says this. Peter answered, verse 27, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus, we've left it all. What's in it for us? What is the measure of your generosity to us? And it's interesting, the Lord's response. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on His glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But, okay, Jesus says, you know what, Peter? I appreciate what you've done. You have a generous father. He will reward you. But there's something you need to know. There's something that you need to know. And this story of the vineyard worker that we just read is bookshelved in between these, this one statement. Jesus says in verse 30, But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. He says it there. He tells the story, and notice how he ends it in chapter 20, verse 16. So, the last will be first, and the first will be last. So what is he saying here about the generosity of God? Well, we have the story. It's a pretty straightforward story. This guy goes out. It was typical in that day that when people wanted to work, they'd go down to the marketplace and people would come and hire them. So he comes. There's these guys that got up early in the morning, set their alarms, were there at dawn at 6 o'clock. And he said, hey, I'll hire you for a Daenerys, which is a fair wage for the day. And they said, great. And they went to work. About 9 o'clock, some other guys showed up. They evidently slept in, or their alarms didn't go off. And uh, they show up later, and, and the landlord says, hey, you want to work? And they said, sure. And he said, well, get out there and work. I'll pay you what's right. Then some guys came at noon. And uh, we don't know why they came at noon. Maybe they didn't like to work. Maybe they uh, had a bad night the night before. We don't really know why, but at noon, they got hired. Three o'clock, some other guys got hired. And then at five o'clock, an hour before quitting time, in that culture people work from six to six, so five o'clock, there's these guys still standing around. And the guy said, how come you're standing around? He said, no one's hired us. He said, well, I'll hire you. Go out there and work. When you get down, I'll give you, a, I'll pay you. I'll, be, I'll, I'll, do you, I'll do right with you. And so that's the story. And so they all get in there at the end of the day, 6 o'clock. The landowner comes. He starts with the guys at work at 5 o'clock. And lo and behold, he gives them a denarius. And they are just like ecstatic. 
You know, they're backslapping each other and going, man, we worked an hour. We got a whole day's wage. Can you believe that? And word got back in the line. Hey, they're paying a hundred. He's paying a hundred bucks an hour. Man, I worked eight. That's eight hundred bucks for the day. And so they're having this conversation, and you know, the landowner comes through, and the guys that came at three o'clock, he gives them a denarius, and they're they're happy because you know there may be a little bit of question why the guys in front of them got the same, but the guys at noon. Uh, you know, they only worked half a day, so they really can't complain. But by the time you get to the guys early in the morning, 9 o'clock, and especially the 6 a.m.ers, they are ticked off. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, the landowner says, hey, I paid you exactly what we agreed. Didn't I give you a fair wage? Are you saying it's not fair to me, fair for me to be generous if I want to? And the landowner challenges the attitude of this people. And then he says, the last will be first, and the first will be last. Well, the story is disturbing. And Jesus intended it to be disturbing. In fact, he intended it, you know, in most of us here today, there's something in that story that ticks us off. It's like when you're standing at the end of a line, and somebody goes to the front, you know what that feels like? Or you're, I always like it, you know, when a new checkout person comes, and the person in back of you, they all go over there, and now you're still at the end of the line, and you know what that feels like? Maybe you don't care. I, I have a problem with that. Um, or, that's why I don't grocery shop. Um, when, 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 you're in a, when you're going up to, uh, to get in line to make a left turn, and somebody goes flying by on the right, and they want in up front, are you the guy that says, oh, I'd be glad to let you in? No, there's something inside of us that says, hey, you, you, you only get what you deserve. You know, you've got to wait in line like the rest of us. If you want to get paid a denarius, you've got to work all day like we did. And Jesus is challenging that. Because Jesus is incredibly generous. God, God's generosity has nothing to do with us earning things. And we have a hard, we have a very difficult time understanding that. What Jesus is saying to Peter here is, look, you will be rewarded for your faithfulness to me. I will reward you generously because I am a generous God, but I give things to people that they don't deserve. You're going to need to come to understand that. I give things to people that they haven't earned. We better be careful when we say to God, hey God, that's not fair. Because if God gives us what's fair, we're all in trouble. We're all in trouble. And we, you know, these guys had a mistaken view of, of God's generosity in their lives. I mean, these guys that came and worked all day, they all of a sudden they forgot that they had been offered a job to work that day, that they had been given the opportunity to make enough money for their families to eat that night. They maybe forgot the fact that they were healthy enough and responsible enough to be asked and to be entrusted to work all day, that they had the ability to work all day. You know, gift working is a gift. And yet they're bemoaning that the guys only had to work an hour. Maybe they should be thankful in the generosity of God in allowing them to work all day. 
And so their, their thinking became skewed here. You know, we don't know about these other people. You know, they may have been lazy, but they may have been handicapped. They may have not had the strength. They may not have been feeling good. We don't know, but at the end of the day, Jesus looks at these people and he said, you know what? Everybody needs to feed their family tonight. I'm going to give everybody a denarius. The generosity of God. Generosity. Here's a saying. Generosity is about giving what you don't have to give and receiving what you don't deserve to get. And generosity is about giving what you don't have to give and receiving what you don't deserve to get. We often, we often do not grasp God's generosity to us. Next week, I'm going to talk a little bit more about how we can develop a heart of generosity. I think the recession we're in right now is part of the generosity of God to us. And uh, you can think about that one over the week. But think about how God might be using a recession to bring about gifts to people. I've been a Christian for 45 years. I've been in ministry for 33 years. The only reason I can say that is the grace of God. I mean, I, I pastor a church and I do ministry. I get up here and speak out of the grace of God. If God was not administering His grace in my life, I would not be here. And so we don't look, you know, every time we look back, we, we can't say, God, really, look what I did for you. It's, it's more like God saying, look what I gave you. Look what you've been able to use out of my grace for all these years. And so the message here is that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, God is generous. God is generous. Romans 8.32, a great verse. And uh, I have read this verse many, many times. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. You talk about the generosity of God. This is it. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God gave you his son. Uh, I'm not sure what else God could have given you. We see here that one day we will understand this more fully. You know, I have in my upstairs, there's a couple windows that have fogged over. You ever have any windows like that? They, something happens, the seal leaks. And when I look out through those windows, I can kind of make out the trees a little bit, but they're really fuzzy. They're not really clear. And the scripture says that now we just see as dimly through a glass, but one day we will see face to face. And the day is coming when we will truly understand the generosity of God, all of us, in our lives. Barbara Taylor Brown, and I, I conclude with this, uh, she wrote a, a book on parables. And in that book she describes in this one, she describes the guys who came at the end of the day you know the guys that were backslapping and going, man, did we get a deal here. Those guys, she talks about them. And this is what she writes. On any given day of our lives, the sun goes down and a cool breeze stirs the dusk. When the week is done and the landlord heads toward the end of the line to hand out pay. 
there's a very good chance that the cheering and the backslapping and the laughter and the gratitude with which he is greeted will turn out to be our own. Father, this morning we thank you for your generosity in our lives. Lord, some of us here came to know you and have served you with our lives since we were little children. Father, some of us have wasted many years of life and come to you late in the day and begun to work. And Father, what this text tells us is that your generosity flows out to everyone. For it is only by your grace for those who came as young children, and it is now by grace that those who come later in life will be blessed with your generosity, not based on what we have earned, but based on your goodness to us. And so, Father, just teach us and overwhelm us uh, with your generosity. Uh, Lord, fill us up with the understanding of how richly you have blessed us and how graciously you've given to us. Father, we thank you most of all for the gift of your Son and the grace that flows to our life through him. Lord, we pray now as we just take this, as we receive our offering today, just help us to reflect on on these thoughts. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.